frivolous. Frivolous is the nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, pizza day, March 17th. It's also St. Patrick's Day. It's also Alexis Maxwell's birthday from Survivor 28. Happy birthday. Frivolous is the word of the day. That may have been a frivolous comment. What does frivolous mean? One, little weight or importance. Something that has little weight or importance. It's frivolous. Having no sound basis. That's frivolous. There is no basis for that statement. And if there is a basis, it's not sound. So it's frivolous. It lacks in seriousness. <laughs> That's frivolous. <laughs> Lacking in seriousness. What a joke. Or the final definition of frivolous is this. Marked by unbecoming levity. It's a frivolous claim. It's a frivolous statement. Why is the frivolous the nothing personal word of the day? Because there's some lawyer in Houston, and I'm not going to name him. He's not going to get one ounce of publicity from me, who is making a claim against Deshaun Watson. And I am livid. I'm livid because we live in this country where anybody can make a frivolous claim against anybody else that gets on page one. And when the claim turns out to be false, when the claim is proven to be false or the claim is dropped, it's page 20. Anything that is of prurient interest, salacious, it's always page one. Spend so much time talking to players and talking to executives and talking to owners about when do we respond? When do we fight against frivolous lawsuits, against frivolous claims? Do we just give them money to keep them quiet? Does that then encourage other frivolous claims or statements? Do we take a stand even when that is not in our best business interest to do because it will cost money to have our own lawyers and in this country, getting lawyers' fees paid by people who file frivolous claims is extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible. That's why being a lawyer is a good racket. So let me give you the background. It, it happened overnight, and Coca and I spent quite a bit of time talking about it. This lawyer in Houston came out with a statement on social media, and I want to read you most of it. And I'm not naming him, as I said. I'm extremely proud to represent those who have no perceived power against those who have perceived power. Things are changing in this country, in this great state, and in this great city, talking about Texas and Houston. And I feel like it's for the better for all of us. Today, we filed suit against Deshaun Watson. Too many times women have put up with behavior that we all know no one should put up with. Should we make excuses for the famous or those who hold special positions or quarterbacks in a local professional football team? I don't think so. All people are equal and all deserve dignity and respect. He then went on to talk about his dad and his mom. This case we just filed about Watson isn't about money. That was my first clue that we may have a situation. This case we just filed against Watson isn't about money. Let's remember that statement. It's about dignity and stopping behavior that should be stopped now. Stay tuned for details. Number one rule, you don't litigate in the public arena. You just don't do it. 
Number two, you don't say you filed a claim when you haven't. There's no record of any suit that has been filed. Number three, and more importantly, you don't take an issue as serious as the treatment of women, as domestic abuse, as sexual assault, as sexual harassment. You don't take an issue that important and cloud it with a frivolous lawsuit against an individual where there may be other forces at work because it is insulting to women who have suffered at the hands of men or other women who have suffered harassment, who have, it's mostly men, of course. It is racist, it's sexist, it's frivolous, and it's disgusting. Deshaun Watson was forced to respond and respond he did. As a result of a social media post by a publicity-seeking plaintiff's lawyer, I don't see a need to be redundant, Deshaun. Every plaintiff's lawyer is publicity-seeking. I recently became aware of a lawsuit that has apparently been filed against me. Keep in mind, this is his lawyer doing this for him. I have not yet seen the complaint, but I know this. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. We're going to get back to that sentence. The plaintiff's lawyer claims that this isn't about money. But before filing suit, he made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. Unlike him, this isn't about money for me. It's about clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. Let's break that down for you and tell you that uh, the plaintiff's lawyer claims this isn't about money, which we read that statement by the plaintiff's lawyer, and Deshaun Watson did not mention the lawyer's name, which we're not going to do. Isn't that unreal that a settlement offer was made? Hey, Coca, guess what? When you call someone and say, I'm about to file suit against you because I've got uncompromising pictures. I've got you naked with animals. Give me 100K and I won't publish it. You're a public figure. I've got you groping a woman on a bus. But I'm not going to say anything if you give me money. I'm about to release an article about an affair you've had and you're running for president. Here's an idea. I'll shelve it. Just give me some money. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's exactly what you do when you either have something or don't have something, but it's called extortion when you don't have it. That's a crime, by the way. And if you do have the information, you can prove you have the information, then I've got the right to shut it and pay it for it to be shut down. So Deshaun Watson's team gets a call and says, give me six figures and I'm not going to file this lawsuit. That's happened to me several times, not personally, might I add, Coca, but professionally, where people called the team and said, we're about to file a suit because we got hit in the head with a foul ball. We're about to file, file a suit because we slipped on a wet spot in your concession area. We slipped, meaning I'm talking about when drinks have spilled. We split on, um, 
we we slipped outside your stadium, whatever the case may be. We're about to file suit. Would you like to pay us first? My answer was always no. I always encourage people to file suits because I'm good with that. I had to settle more than I would have liked because of the nuisance that are called nuisance settlements. We've talked about it, telling you that we do the math, what our legal bills will be, what our legal bills will be versus what the settlement will, will cost. And then we decide whether we're going to settle. But sometimes it was too much. This is an example where Deshaun Watson needs to not settle, needs to not pay. He should not have said, I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. I would like the first man who can to raise his hand. Go ahead, raise it if you're if you're out there, please. You've never treated a woman without the with the utmost respect. Let me say that 68, 67, 66. You've never treated a woman with anything other than the utmost respect. I have met many people in my lifetime. There is not one boy or man, 18 year old and above, who I can say can make that claim. Not one. So there was no reason to put that in the statement. Shame on Deshaun's lawyer or PR people for having him say that. It's not necessary. It's like making a claim. One of my favorite claims, I'm giving 110%. That's how committed I am to you. I'm committed to this team 150%. It's ridiculous. You can't be committed more than 100%. Either you're fully committed or not fully committed. I am halfway committed to you. We're halfway. I'm about 50-50. I am halfway committed to you. In my heart, that's 100%. No, just don't say it. You don't need to. But you've got to lead off with the plaintiff's lawyer claims it's not about money, but asks for money before filing. Deshaun Watson has been in the news for all the wrong reasons this offseason. Unhappy, signing that extension and demanding a trade, which did not make me happy. And I've been absolutely honest with you all about that. There are rumors circulating on the intergoogle that this plaintiff's lawyer could be a neighbor of the McNair family. Rumors that are being written that it is possible in a conspiracy theories dream scenario that the McNair family is trying to sully Deshaun's reputation. Why would you do that if you're keeping the player? You want him to be an upstanding citizen and represent your organization because you just paid him a unbelievably large amount of money and guaranteed it. And he's one of the top three quarterbacks in football. And he's the only chance you have to ever win any games for that franchise. Or if you're tired of it and you want to trade him, then you want to build up the player. Remember what you do in baseball when you want to trade a prospect? You say how great the prospect is. You have your minor, minor, minor league employees say how great the prospect is. Even you know the prospect stinks, but you don't want anyone else to know the prospect stinks. So you say how great Victor Victor Mesa is, even though you know Victor Victor Mesa was overpaid and he's not good, but you want to say he's good because then you can include him in a trade. So if you want to trade Deshaun Watson, although his career speaks for himself at this point and he's a proven commodity, but you certainly don't want to in any way impugn his character ever. So I'm not buying the theory that the McNair family had anything to do with this. I am buying the theory that there's a plaintiff's lawyer because there's so many of them 
who want to find a way to get money. And they found a client who was willing to step forward and say, yeah, I didn't treat me with the utmost respect. Now, am I going to eat my words if, if there is a provable claim in a court of law that Deshaun Watson engaged in sexual harassment or engaged in any sort of other misconduct against women? I won't eat my words because I told, I told you he never should have said never. But I will apologize to the attorney. But I will then say, why would you go about it the way you've gone about it by going public with this social media statement? Stop it now. Stop this. These allegations going back and forth, everyone using social media as a sword. There have been great positives of the social media world where behavior is put in check much more, where everyone's got a camera, which keeps more and more people honest, hopefully, although I'm not so sure it's happening, or maybe we just see examples of cruelty and racism more now because of cameras. I'm frustrated as can be this morning because in the world in which we live, having frivolous claims like this does not advance us as a society the way we need to advance given how awful things are currently. We sit here and read about what happened in Atlanta last night where it is more likely than not that a hate crime was promulgated against Asian people by a white young man, young maybe, a real man, no. Innocent till proven guilty, fine. He's been arrested. A mass murder at massage parlors in Atlanta. And until I am proven and told this is not about people referring to what is happening in this country, as something other than the name of COVID-19, somehow making this about a race, calling it the China virus. Until I am told otherwise, that is a hate crime, the same as there are hate crimes against black people and Jewish people and Asian people. In a world where we have so many serious issues that require actually smart people to deal with and people to actually take a breath and have an opportunity to learn and improve themselves and try to understand what it is to be someone and to show empathy. We have to lead off nothing personal with a frivolous claim by a lawyer against a quarterback, against a black quarterback. And it simply pisses me off. Nothing personal word of the day is frivolous. Let's just be better. Please. CBS doesn't know what I'm going to do on the show. That's part of the rule. They don't know. Me and Coca do the show, and that's it. They don't know the order in which we're going to talk about things. We decide. We decide what's important to go first, and then I'm the one on camera and on the microphone trying to figure out a segue. There was big news yesterday. And uh, it really should have been the lead story today, absent what I wanted to talk about and what Coke and I both thought was necessary. But this is a good, important story. LeBron James wants to and will become an owner of an NBA team. 
he came out with a quote and said, my goal is to own an NBA franchise and it'll be sooner rather than later. I want LeBron to go from playing and use the money that he's made. And I want him to own an NBA team for several reasons. One of which is I want him to see along with Michael Jordan, how damn hard it is to own a team. I want him to see how hard it is to build a team. I want him to realize that no one will be as good as he was and it will be incredibly frustrating for him. It's good. It's also good to have diversity in ownership. But the news that came out yesterday was not about LeBron James buying a sports team. I don't understand the confusion that people had, but we're going to clear it up for you right now. An announcement was made that LeBron James and his partner, Maverick Carter, had are going to become owners of the Boston Red Sox. No, they are not. They are getting a piece and purchasing a piece of Fenway Sports Group. Fenway Sports Group is what's called a holding company. In that holding company, they have assets. One of the assets is the Boston Red Sox. One of the assets is the Liverpool Football Club. One of the assets is New England Sports Network, which is Nesson, the network which shows Red Sox games. One of the assets is Roush Racing. That's a, a racing, they own cars. LeBron James in 2011 bought a 2% stake in Liverpool Football Club. What he did in 2021 is he is converting that stake into a stake in the overall company so he will have a piece of all the assets that Fenway Sports Group owns. Tom Werner and John Henry are the principal owners of Fenway Sports Group, the two majority shareholders of Fenway Sports Group. There is no secret that Boston has suffered from claims of racism, claims of difficulty in race relations. And John Henry takes that seriously and thought it would be in his best interest to have black representation as all ownership groups should have. You want diversity, you want equity, you want inclusion, because you want to have a group that represents the community. And you want to have a group where there can be different views at the table when you are making decisions at the ownership level. It all makes perfect sense. It's all the right thing to do. It doesn't happen enough. And it's going to start happening more. But make no mistake, the LeBron James infusion of capital into Fenway Sports Group is nothing to talk about. The bigger story yesterday was the $750 million invested by Red Bird Capital, which is basically an investment fund, to become the third largest holder of Fenway Sports Group. And LeBron is not one of the top two, John Henry and Tom Werner. And that is money that's being invested so John Henry and Tom Werner can both pay down debt, take money off the table, and use that money to make other acquisitions. Both LeBron James or Red Cap, Red Bird. I keep saying Red Cap, it's Red Bird. Did I say Red Cap Coca? I think it's called Red Bird as in Cardinals. Um, can you check that? Because now I'm thinking Red Cap, but I think that's the service where they were Red Cap and they drive your car if you've had anything to drink that started in Florida. I think it's called Red Bird. In any case, that investment, it is called, thank you, Coca. 
So where, where my brain was confused, it's called Redbird Capital. And I just made a red cap. Redbird Capital put $750 million into it. And the reason why they took that investment is Fenway Sports Group wants to expand. They also want to pay down debt. But it does not mean that the Red Sox are now going to go sign a closer or sign another starting pitcher or increase their payroll or go over the luxury tax. It's actually the opposite. Redbird Capital needs investment return. They need the properties they invest in to make money. They're not investing in Fenway Sports Group so that money can go to the Red Sox so the Red Sox can quote unquote lose money, even though on the Nesson part, they make money and Redbird Capital now owns Nesson, a part of Nesson as well as the Red Sox. So they could say it's okay for the Red Sox to lose money because Nesson is then making money, more money. No, you don't do that. When you own investments in a holding company, can you imagine if Warren Buffett Berkshire Hathaway is basically a holding company that owns a bunch of other companies. Can you imagine if he said that, uh, <laughs> you know what, we're buying this company, but it doesn't need to make money because we own another company that makes a lot of money and that'll pay for the company that doesn't make money. That's like people who argue that a company that has plants in different cities should keep a plant open in a city that doesn't make money because a plant in another city does make money and that can help keep the plant in the city that doesn't make money and help save those jobs. That's really nice to say. It's a great feeling. It's a great view. I get it. It's not reality. Redbird Capital wants all of Fenway Sports Group properties to make money. I want to comment a little bit about Redbird Capital and tell you that uh, if you go to their website, which I did, and you look at their front office, which I did, it is extremely not demographically representative to a lot of white people. However, Redbird Capital is trying to do better. When you look at their page and you go down the line, they've got associates who are people of color who are going to, in theory, work their way up to partner, giving people a chance. And I respect them for that. You have to change Wall Street and these hedge funds. There's got to be change and change is starting now. But at the end of the day, there is a, a need for the change, a pressure to effectuate that change. And while people may be changing the makeup of their companies when in fact they don't want to or need to, they're doing it because they're pressured to or it's the right thing to do. I'm a consequentialist. I'm good with it. I want the change to happen. I want more people to have opportunities who are as capable, if not more so, than the person to their left or to their right. It is about starting now. So in 20 years and 30 years and 40 years, we don't have to look back and say, man, we could have started this process earlier, but now we're going to start. We've been saying that for 50, 100, 200 years. It goes along the line of my view that maybe 2020 did make a difference. Maybe we are in the midst of improving and increasing equality in this country. But I don't want sports fans to get the wrong impression of why things happen. Because while I may be cynical, I'm pragmatic. And while I may not agree with why decisions are made, I will always explain why they are made. LeBron James, when given an opportunity to take an investment in Fenway Sports Group, didn't care that he plays for the Lakers. He'll never wear a Dodger hat now. By the way, that's a side good point. Do you know LeBron James? 
cannot wear a Dodger hat ever again or a Yankee hat because if I own the Red Sox or I am a majority shareholder of Fenway Sports Group, I cannot have one of our owners who is the most famous face, period, maybe the top 10. I'd say he's in the top 10, Coca. Would you say LeBron James in the top 10 of famous athletes around the world? Top 15, knowing that the top 10 are going to be football players in Europe, but he's got to be around there. I guess we could go by, we could go by anything. Um, you could go by followers. You could go by brand recognition, by face recognition, whatever you want to go by. Coca is saying that he's top five. I'm saying he's top 10, whatever he is. He now represents Boston and he's got to represent the Red Sox. God, that's funny. I didn't think about that. Magic Johnson has a piece of the Dodgers. He's not going to wear a Yankee hat. What about Patrick Mahomes? I don't know who he was a fan of, but he lives in Kansas City. He became a minority partner of the Kansas City Royals this year. Of course, he wants to rep the Royals and the Chiefs because they're both in Kansas City. I wonder what will happen if he doesn't serve out the rest of his 12-year deal and he ends up getting traded like most people do because it's very rare for a player to end his career where it started. But let's say Mahomes does. I wonder if he's traded, will he then still be a Royals fan or will he want to sell his piece of the Royals? LeBron is doing this for business reasons and he will get a return on his investment. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he has no control over the Red Sox. He's not a control person for the Red Sox. He's not going to have a say at the table of who the Red Sox trade, who the Red Sox sign. He will not have a say in whether Fenway Park gets rebuilt, redone, reshaped. He will not have a say in who gets drafted. Nothing, nada, zero, nothing. Are we clear? Are we clear? Are we clear? LeBron James's goal, as he made clear, is to get an NBA franchise and run it for himself, and that's what he's going to do. Running a team is just hard. You know, people come in and, and criticize the running of the team all the time, right? I can do it better. That's what I hear every day. Oh, I, man, you sucked. I could have done it way better than you did it. Way better. No doubt. What a weird thing to have a job. Um, Coca, can you imagine you're producing a show and someone would just text you and say, man, I could produce way better than you can. Or they're watching you as you're doing your show. Like baseball players, we watch them as they're doing their job and then say, God, you stink. You went 0 for 4, you stink. Or you traded this player for that player. You stink. I wouldn't have done it. Well, you don't have all the facts. You don't know what it takes to produce a show. You don't know what it takes to run a team, to be a GM or a manager or a player or a president or an owner. You don't know. As a matter of fact, most people in the media don't know. I get to say I know because I know. And so I do know. So people are starting to calculate during this time of free agency, what are the worst run teams? This was a stat that always made me smile. It was dollars per victory. Have you ever heard of that stat? It's not an analytic stat. It's not a money ball stat. It's a make yourself feel better for having low revenue and trying to win game stat. It's a make yourself feel better that you're not like a big market team that spends a ton of money to win 75 games when you can spend very little money and win 75 games. But at the end of the day, you're both sitting home watching October, which is bad. But you get to say, we were bad, but cheaper. As opposed to we were bad, but wasteful. 
So I read a stat yesterday that fascinated me. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who, by the way, they just did a signing yesterday. They signed some guy. Uh, they signed, a, I don't know who, somebody. Oh, the guy who played for the Seahawks, Griffin. They gave him a three-year deal worth 44 million bucks, 30 million guaranteed. That's what the, the Jaguars did. So they now have their starting quarter, their cornerbacks. And they made a statement, which made me laugh, which was, we are excited to have Shaq Griffin. And now we've, we've really locked in our cornerbacks of the future. They've been trying to lock in players and trying to have players of the future. That's what you say when you have a bad team. You always say, or when you're rebuilding or when you're starting over or when you had a window to win, but didn't win, but should have won, or you never had a window because you never could win because you never know how to sign players because you're totally inefficient and have to dip into free agency because your drafts stink, et cetera. That's when you say the line, oh, these are the cornerstone pieces. We've got our defensive backfield now. What a crock of crap. So it turns out <clears throat> since 2011, the Jacksonville Jaguars have spent $1.4 billion in free agency. So in 10 years, they spent $1.4 billion. That's about $140 million per year for 10 years. That's the most of any team in the NFL. That's pretty good, right? They've got a rich owner. That's all you want as a fan, isn't it? I've spoken to a bunch of people about this at preparing for the show. We want an owner who tries. Just get in there and sign players and tell us that you want to win and don't flaunt the fact that you're making money. Just do that for us. But wait a minute, your team stinks. The reason you're signing all these free agents is you don't know how to draft. You don't know how to develop. It's terrible. No, no, it's okay though. We're spending money. I never understood that. Wouldn't you rather have a team that doesn't spend money but wins or a team that does spend money but wins? Which means what do you have in common in those two scenarios? Oh, yeah, winning. Why do you get a pass for bad spending and ineptitude? Why don't you criticize that as much as you criticize the owner who you think has alligator arms? The Jaguars have lost nearly 75% of the games they've played since 2011. That's a bad winning percentage. That's the worst percentage in the NFL, actually. They've had five head coaches in the last 10 years. They're an organization in complete disarray. Not that Shaq Griffin cared because he's going from the tempest into the teapot, which is a completely wrong use of that metaphor, I believe. What is that metaphor, Coca? Did I even get the metaphor right? Is it a tempest in a teapot? Do you go from a tempest to a teapot? Anyway, you go from Seattle where Russell Wilson's pissed off to Jacksonville where you're not really going to win anything, but you got guaranteed money. So that's a positive. But the Jaguars are simply not a good and well-run organization. Why can I say that? Not because I thought our organization wasn't run well. Judge us. Judge me. I finished under 500 in my career. I used to keep track of what I did over the 18 seasons. I think I have, I have it somewhere, how many games, well over a thousand wins, well over a thousand losses, more losses than wins, but an undefeated record in the postseason, might I add, three and zero in a postseason series, not bad. Do you know the Marlins have never lost a postseason series? Oh, that's not true. They now have, oh my God, I just thought of it, Coca. They totally screwed it up last year. They lost to the Braves. The Marlins are no longer undefeated in the postseason. I used to love that fact because in 97, they made the playoffs and won the World Series. In 03, they made the playoffs and won the World Series. They were 6-0 and over those two years. 
and then they beat the Cubs to go to seven and zero, and they lost to the Braves. That stinks. I wanted I wanted the Marlins to win the World Series last year so we could be nine and zero again, or maybe it would be ten and zero because there would be an extra round last year, which there was because of the Cubs in the first round. But that would have been so cool. Oh well. Why? Why was Coco? What were we just talking about? That I just thought of the Marlins and being undefeated in the playoffs. I have no idea. I don't even know what we were just talking about. Anyway, I see that I'm supposed to talk about it. Oh, the Jaguars. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. All right. I'm good. $1.4 billion. $1.4 billion. Good luck, Jacksonville. Hey, I got to wait to see. Wait to see is when I say things are going to happen. And then if they happen, great. If they don't happen, great. But either way, I'm going to revisit it. If you're new to nothing personal, thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for everything you do. But my wait to see today is the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to finish under 500 again. I don't know what their over-under is for next season at all, but I'm going to set the over-under at eight, and I'm going to say take the under. It's going to be another unsuccessful year because Jacksonville's got a real problem, and it's bad for the NFL because they want the Jaguars to be good because the Jaguars are their representative in London. Not that that's going to be an issue anytime soon, but again, COVID will end. There will be an opportunity for them to go back to London. The Jaguars last year, as you know, finished in last place. And so the odds are that their total uh, when when they, when it comes out is going to be quite a bit lower than eight. So you're probably saying to me right now, that's not a fair wait to see, right? Because if you're going to say it, then take the under of what the actual total is. So I'm going to do a two-part then just to satisfy all of you because we always revisit these wait to sees and nothing personal is not going anywhere because of all of you. Sorry, CBS, we're not going anywhere. Let's say the total ends up being four. That can't be a total, Coca. Do you think, can there ever be an over-under total of four going into a season, which means the team has to go three and 13 to cash the under? Uh-oh. Anyway, go under whatever the total is. That's my wait to see. All right, are we good, Coca? I think we're good. All right, we come back. We're going to get to talk a little bit of baseball. Um, because the season starts really soon. And I want to review a movie uh, that I had never heard of that was again suggested by one of you. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I'm David. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for making it through the gauntlet of ads and all the different reads that we have to do, which is good. I watch a movie every day and I take your suggestions. I put them on a list and I sort of figure out which one from that list I'm going to watch on a particular day. If I don't feel like watching a movie I've already seen or I'm st- I'm going to start watching mostly Oscar nominated movies. I've got to see The Father and I need to watch the documentaries, all of them. Uh, I'm in the middle of... Uh, one of the best director movies right now that I didn't get to finish last night that I'm going to finish. And it is, uh, so this movie was called Secretary. I'd never heard of it with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is one of my favorite actresses in one of my favorite movies called Stranger Than Fiction. You can't see it in the background if you're watching this on YouTube, nothing uh, nothing personal with David Sampson. But I have uh, Harold Crick's hospital, hospital gown hanging behind me. Harold Crick is the character from uh, Stranger Than Fiction. And I bought his actual hospital gown from the end of the movie because the end of that movie is a really meaningful end of movie for me. But Maggie Gyllenhaal is in that. She's just a great actress. And uh, James Spader is in this movie. James Spader plays a lawyer who is a strange guy. And Maggie Gyllenhaal plays his secretary. And she is an uncertain woman. And she is a, uh, a sort of meek woman. And she gets this job with James Spader. And it turns out that he is into S&M. And what's more interesting about the movie is that it is not a porn. It is not a pro S&M or anti S&M movie. It is much more interesting and, and much deeper than that. And so the reason I'd like you to see it is that there are not very many movies. It's not like Fifty Shades of Grey, right? It's not you don't watch it with the lights out with someone or by yourself. This is a movie where it digs into the character of people who need to find their way. They need to find their place. And then when they realize what they love and they realize that they can love what they love in a safe, secure way, then that leads to happiness and contentment. And isn't that the goal of everybody? Live and let live. Don't make me be like you, but don't ever think that the way I am is wrong if it doesn't stop you from being the way you wanna be. Don't judge me for the way I am. Embrace me for being willing to embrace myself and the way I wanna be. That is what Secretary is about. It's from the early 2000s. You know James Spader. He's been in a lot of things. He was in Less Than Zero with Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Gertz. He was in an Andrew McCarthy. He was the drug dealer. He was in a bunch of TV shows, including one now. I want to say there's a movie called, um, is it called Blackfish Coca? I don't know what it's called. Anyway, two great actors, two great performances. Maggie Gyllenhaal, James Spader. It's called Secretary. Okay, uh, did you guys all fill out your brackets yet? The tournament starts either tomorrow or Friday. There's playing games that are probably tomorrow. The tournament starts Friday. If you go to cbssports.com, I always say backslash, and I get corrected every time. I'm sorry. It's not a backslash. It's just slash. 
Maybe it's a forward slash. Maybe it's just nothing. CBSSports.com slash capital NPDSB rackets. I put the link on Facebook. I put the link on Twitter. Coca put the link on Twitter. If you can't find it, go to CBS Sports and look for the NPDS pool. But there's a link, just capital N, capital P, capital D, capital S, capital B, rackets. We have quite a few people, and here's the rule. If you do this and it's free, you could win a Nissan Rogue from CBS Sports. That's cool. You could win from CBS Sports a trip to the Final Four next year in New Orleans in 2022. That's cool. But in our pool, if you win, I'm going to send you something really cool. But better than that, if you beat Coca, who filled out a bracket, as did I, if you beat Coca, you're going to be entered into everybody who beats Coca has a chance to win something even cooler that I will send. So you've got two chances. Win the entire pool, you win. Win the entire pool, you win something from me. Beat Coca, you have a chance to win something from me. But enter and win, and you also have a chance to win from CBS Sports. CBS Sports is doing this to get your information because they can make more money by having more emails. No doubt about that. But it's free. You sign up. You do a password. You can opt out of getting emails. You can opt into getting emails. You should check out CBS Sports HQ. It's a great channel that I'm on every month in Gdanishtik. You could also look at CBS News, CBS Network. Paramount Plus is now streaming. There's a lot of cool stuff going on at CBS, the least of which is me and Coca. <sighs> Nothing personal pick of the day. I lost yesterday. I had the Celtics getting five from the Jazz. The Celtics lost by eight at home. I can't win every game. We're 35 and 21. God, do I hate losing. Remember what I said yesterday? When you lose a pick, you feel like you're never going to win again. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm never going to win again until now. The Miami Heat are so hot. OMG. They crushed the Cavaliers last night. They've won like 14 out of 15. Butler's back and good. I think this is where they have a problem. The Grizzlies are plus two against the Heat tonight. The Grizzlies are a team that will play, actually matches up pretty well against the Heat. I'm going to take my third underdog in a row. Grizzlies plus two versus the hottest team in basketball. It seems like a sucker bet the other way, right? Heat minus two. The Heat are only minus two. It's impossible. They do nothing but win. Anytime something's too good to be true, I feel like you got to go the other way, right? So we're going the other way. Grizzlies plus two, nothing personal pick of the day. Let's get back to 15 games over 500. That's right, 15 over 500. MLB is only two weeks away. Opening day is two weeks from tomorrow. I think it opens on a Thursday, April 1st with a 110 game with Stanton and the Yankees against the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays were in the news yesterday, and I want to explain to you what happened because I went on a radio show in all of Canada, and there was some confusion about how great it was that the manager, Charlie Montoyo, got extended. That's a great sign from the owners, Rogers, from the president, Mark Shapiro, and the GM, Ross Atkins. What a showing for Charlie Montoyo. Nope. So here's what we would do with our owner every time we had a manager what we call the lame duck, lame duck manager, we would say to the owner, please, can you sign him to a one-year extension? Because we don't want to deal with questions all year long. We don't want the players to have to worry that this is the last year of the manager. We want, even though, of course, we're going to fire the manager because that's what we do, which is fine. But you want to have the appearance of stability. 
the possibility of stability. So the Blue Jays announced we have extended Charlie Montoyo through the 2022 season. Blah, blah, blah. All that means is they get to walk into their clubhouse. Charlie gets to walk in and the players get to hug him and they get to give him a round of applause and they get to say, few, no questions coming this year. That's why Rogers did it. It's like getting a year severance is all. It doesn't mean he's going to be the manager in 22. The Blue Jays have expectations. They may be unrealistic, but they're not. They've got a great young core. They signed Ryu. They signed George Springer this year. They've the best position player available this year, in my opinion, absent JT Relamudo, but probably better. They signed the best pitcher on the free agent market last year in Ryu. They've got amazing young players with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Biggio and Bichette. They just have a great team. So they got to win. They also signed a, uh, um, they, they improved their rotation, their bullpen, yada, yada. They did not want to deal with the distraction of the manager. Do I agree with that? I do. I think that I always wanted a manager to not have a lame duck year. The Yankees, of course, are the opposite. Funny, the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays. Aaron Boone is in his last year. Brian Cashman is in his last year. The Yankees do not extend people until their contracts are over. Period. Derek Jeter took that philosophy with him to the Marlins that he learned as a Yankee. He did not extend Mike Hill, and he didn't even talk to Mike Hill about his deal until it was Mike Hill's contracts run out, even though I told Mike Hill that, of course, he's going to be let go because he was associated with me. So Mike Hill was not extended. Don Mattingly had a year left and managed as a lame duck and was not told anything and then told to take a pay cut, actually, but was kept on as manager. So that is a way that some teams operate the way the Yankees do. And I, and I don't agree with it, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. I don't agree with how Jeter did it, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. I agree with what the Blue Jays did here because at the end of the day, all you do when you're in the front office, even though you're accused of mucking it up and meddling and making more problems than you, than you solve, what you're really trying to do is put the players in the best possible position within reason to win as many games as possible. That's it. And if you can do something as easy as extending your manager and putting another million or a million and a half at risk in case that manager ends up get, getting fired, that is a worthy investment for how additive it can be in your clubhouse. So there are many, many times that you have to make decisions, but you don't follow it up with any sort of BSPR the way that the way that the Blue Jays did saying, we love how collaborative our relationship is with Charlie collaborative. He'll do whatever you want because that's what managers do. It's not collaborative. Just say we want peace and it was worth the money because at the end of the day, whether it's Toronto or any other team, you're going to do anything in the name of business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.